Welcome to Gov Innovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our topic today is leadership practices that can help managers improve the performance of their organizations and help them tackle their most important organizational challenges. Our guest is Bob Bain of the Harvard Kennedy School. Here's a clip. Leadership doesn't mean charisma. Um, most public executives who are effective, these are the ones who demonstrate the ability to produce results, are not particularly charismatic. They are analytical, they are idealistic, principled, persistent, and quite pragmatic, but they aren't always charismatic. I want to emphasize this because I don't want to let people off the hook with the charisma excuse. You know, I said, I could be a leader, I could produce results, but my parents failed to give me the charisma gene. So instead, there are some practices, personal and organizational behaviors, in which effective public executives do engage. Bob Bain is one of the leading thinkers on the subjects of public management and leadership. He's the faculty chair of the Kennedy School's executive program called Driving Government Performance. He's noted that public agencies are unlikely to produce better results simply by creating rules, requirements, or performance systems. A more effective approach, he argues, is to help managers learn better leadership practices. In fact, he recommends 12 practices or leadership skills that can help organizations strengthen their results. To give us an overview, I'm glad to have Bob Bain back with us on the podcast. Bob, welcome. Great to be with you again, Andy. In your writing, Bob, you've argued that performance systems created in law or by central management are attempts to compel performance and basically don't work. Tell us your argument. Um. Rocky Bridges played Major League Baseball for 11 years and then managed and coached for another half a dozen years in the minors and the majors. But he's perhaps most famous for one single sentence. There are three things the average man thinks he can do better than anyone else. Build a fire, run a hotel, and manage a baseball team. Today, they, that sentence should be modified to read, there are three things the average person who works in the legislature or in an overhead agency thinks he or she can do better than anyone else. Build a fire, run a hotel, and get a public agency to produce results. They believe they know the system, the set of simple, explicit procedures, if followed perfectly following the instructions, will motivate every public employee and their collaborators, too, to produce the results they seek. Um, unfortunately, in any specific circumstances, both the purpose and the situation are different. Consequently, it's impossible to specify what any person should do. There isn't a recipe, there isn't a formula, there isn't a sort of formal protocol that will magically produce results in a variety of different circumstances. There are, however, some general concepts that, unfortunately, have to be adapted to both the purpose and to the circumstances. To produce real results, to accomplish different public purposes in very different circumstances, requires the intelligent adaptation of core leadership principles, leadership strategies, to accomplish the purposes in those particular circumstances. So yes, there do exist some leadership strategies that can help produce those results, but you can't specify them in a cookbook fashion. Just so we make sure that our listeners understand your point, Bob, tell us more about how that cookbook approach plays out in government agencies, what that looks like. Uh, systems or formulas or instructions or anything that's 
really explicit and confining and expects that, oh, um, if we report uh, results in some way, wonderful things will happen. The dilemma is that you can tell people to do things, but effective civil servants, people who have uh, risen through the ranks, have learned to engage in what I call effective hoop jumping. Okay, you give them a hoop, they jump through it. You want uh, data, they'll give you data. If you want data in a particular format, they'll give you data in a particular format. They will do exactly what you requested, but what you can't request is their ability to manage their organization to produce those results. You can't require them to motivate people. You can give them instructions and they can follow those instructions, but will those instructions work in every public agency? No. So if top-down performance systems are unlikely to be effective, an alternative approach that you discuss, Bob, is to help managers in agencies have better practices. In other words, better leadership skills. Tell us about what that looks like. Um, well, I guess the first thing I want to say is what it doesn't look like. Uh, leadership doesn't mean charisma. Um, most public executives who are effective, these are the ones who demonstrate the ability to produce results, are not particularly charismatic. They are analytical, they are idealistic, principled, persistent, and quite pragmatic, but they aren't always charismatic. I want to emphasize this because I don't want to let people off the hook with the charisma excuse. You know, I said, I could be a leader, I could produce results, but my parents failed to give me the charisma gene. So instead, there are some practices, personal and organizational behaviors in which effective public executives do engage. They can collectively create a framework for improving performance. They can motivate people to do the necessary work, and they can help them in their organization um, learn how to be even better. So let's jump into those practices. The first set focuses on creating the performance framework. Tell us about that. Well, it means trying to define what we expect a better job to look like. So the first practice here is simply articulate what your organization's purpose is. State it clearly, state it frequently, what is our organization trying to accomplish? A friend of one U.S. governor once told him, you know, you know, governor, only at the point you're getting nauseous delivering your message, that's just when we're beginning to hear it. So my first message would simply be to any public executive, if you haven't gotten nauseous yet from stating what your organization's trying to accomplish, you haven't done it enough. The second thing I would say the second important practice is identify what the organization's key performance deficits are, the most consequential problems that you have that are preventing your organization for accomplishing its purposes. Every organization has lots of these, but which are the critical things that ought to be fixed first? Third practice, establish a performance target for fixing one of these performance deficits, for fixing one of the important ones specify what it means to fix that performance deficit in such a way that everybody knows that we have to have this done by then. And then last, I would just emphasize that you have to have in you, that is you, the public executive, have to have in your own mind why if you hit that target, 
you will eliminate or at least mitigate that performance deficit and thus do a better job in terms of achieving your organization's purpose. The way I think of summarizing the first two practices that you mentioned of the four is the famous Bob Bain saying, always start with purpose. In other words, identifying the organization's mission, but also its most the organization's most important performance problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah, always start with purpose. All right, moving along, the second set of four practices is about driving performance improvement. Tell us more. Well, once you've decided what you want to get done, you have to mobilize your people to get it done. So um, again, I have uh, four practices that I think help to do that. Uh, The first is to monitor progress. If you have a target, how much progress have you made this month or this week or this quarter towards getting there? And you have to monitor it uh, frequently. You can't monitor it more frequently than you got data, but you can monitor it frequently. You have to monitor it personally. By that, I mean you have to monitor so people will know that you're doing it. And then you have to monitor it publicly. I don't mean publicly like in the newspaper. I mean publicly within the organization. You have to publish the data so that every team that's working on this problem, trying to eliminate this performance deficit, everybody knows how they are doing and then everybody else knows how well they're doing. Okay, so there's lots of simple ways to do that. You can have a a chart with everybody's targets on it and how much progress they're making. Or you could have what um, I and others call the list. The list simply has column A, the units that are make, have made adequate progress, and column B, the units that haven't. And um, either of those mechanisms tell people the three key pieces of information. They tell everybody how well he or she is doing. They tell everybody how well everybody else is doing. And they tell them, most importantly, that everybody else knows how well they're doing. So you got to monitor progress frequently, personally and publicly. Uh, Next, you got to build operational capacity. Um, You can't give people a target and then not give them the resources. Uh, W. Edwards Deming, um, I often call him the father of total quality management, once observed that he'd never seen an organization that had given people targets and then uh, given them the resources to get it done. And Deming was talking about the private sector. He wasn't talking about government. So if you're going to give people targets, you got to make sure that they have the operational capacity to get it done. Next practice, I think we're on number seven now, uh, take advantage of small wins to reward success. Uh, Carl Weick um, had a famous article about the strategy of small wins in which he argued that we define our social problems so large that we can't do anything about them. He argued an alternative, which is called the strategy of small wins. Uh, Accomplish something significant, but not solving the whole problem. Demonstrate focus, demonstrate competence, build trust and confidence. Build confidence that people can actually get something done and then take on the next task. Do this as a series of small wins rather than take on one thing uh, completely. So then after each success, you know, give people an opportunity to feel they've accomplished something. Make sure that they know that you appreciate their work. And then in terms of mobilizing your people, I would argue that um, you ought to create esteem opportunities. Now, if you remember from your psychology 101 
course, you learned a few things. One was Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the idea here is simply that after they've got what they need for money, which comes from the ter- first two levels, you know, shelter, uh, food, uh, clothes, the usual things that money can buy. Next thing comes love and companionship. And the next thing comes esteem. And this is esteem earned for accomplishing something significant. It's both self-esteem and the esteem of others. And so you ought to create the opportunity for people to earn some self-esteem and earn the esteem from others by giving them a target, letting them go at it significantly and making sure everybody understands when they've accomplished it. If one thinks about motivating or recognizing employees, I think a first thought may come up is money, bonuses, for example. Maybe that's because that's more common in the private sector. In the public sector, we often can't use financial incentives. But I think an important point that you're saying is that esteem opportunities can be a very valuable tool for both motivation and recognition. Sure. I mean, and the private sector has a little problem with using the money thing too. Yep. Yep. Bob, the third set of practices that you recommend are about enhancing future performance. This is about answering the question, how must we change to do even better? Well, once you've uh, accomplished your first set of targets, um, you are going to uh, need to move on to the next set. If you've solved one performance deficit that's preventing you from uh, producing better results and you're getting those better results, but you have other performance deficits too. Um, But the first thing I would argue here is that you've got to check to make sure that you're really having success. Uh, Look for cheating, look for distortions, making sure you're actually achieving your purpose. Remember, if you eliminate this performance deficit, the operating assumption you started with is that things would get better. Well, was that an intelligent choice? Is that true? Are you you indeed making progress? So you need a variety of other ways to um, check on the progress. And also, there's always this small problem of people will accomplish exactly what you told them to, but still not contribute to the purpose. So be careful about exactly what is accomplishing. Being vigilant about unintended consequences, for example? Sure, sure. And unintended consequences can be, um, well, uh, the the famous example, of course, is teaching to the test, right? Um, You know, if you give teachers, say, this is what's going to be on the test for your students, teachers will teach to that. Let's not be surprised. Same will happen in any organization. Um, The phrase often used in the educational testing business is the challenge in educational testing is designing a test worth teaching to. Why? Because that's what teachers are going to do. Uh, What is your staff going to do when you give them a, a target? They're going to achieve that target. Will they achieve that target in such a way that accomplishes your purpose? That's the challenge. So, The way you check for cheating and distortions and achievement of purpose is to monitor a whole variety of data. You have a large number of indicators. Make sure that you aren't just looking at the one that you've created a target for, but make sure that you're looking at other things too to figure out what your organization is really doing. How have they uh, achieved this target? Have they achieved this target that has spillover effects that are desirable or does it have spillover effects that are undermining your purpose? 
Once you figured that out, you got to be prepared to make some changes. You might have to adjust your purpose. You might have to adjust your target or your theory or your monitoring approach or perhaps your operational capacity. Or maybe you have to have new STEAM opportunities, um, new uh, ways of thanking people for what they've done. So you have to be prepared after that first loop in which you've made some progress to make some changes. And then last, I would just say, you have to be prepared to provide an account of your performance to the world, not necessarily just to your boss, not just necessarily just to your appropriating or authorizing committee. You have to be prepared to explain this to the world. The problem today, of course, is the world doesn't believe that any public agency can accomplish anything. And so you have to be prepared to tell a legitimate story, an explanation of what performance deficit you chose to fix, how you fixed it, and what the consequences of that were. As this is being recorded uh, in May 2016, we've got less than a year before a new presidential administration. Tell us uh, your advice for applying these practices in a new administration, or the same could be said of a new governor or a new mayor. What are some ways that new public leaders could try to catalyze these types of practices? Um, I think, you know, the president would have a conversation with a cabinet secretary. A cabinet secretary would have a conversation with deputies and associate secretaries about what we're trying to accomplish and by when we're trying to accomplish it. Making it clear that whatever the responsibility is, whatever the formal organizational responsibility is, that what the results responsibility is also. When would we expect what to happen? It's a conversation that every elected chief executive ought to have with every department head that reports to her or him. What's our big purpose here? What's the performance deficit we want to fix next? And when are we going to get it fixed by? What's the target with both the outcome and the date? We'll end this portion of the interview here, but I'm going to ask Bob about how the performance stat approach relates to these 12 practices, and I'll post his answer to the website. I'll also post a link to Bob's paper on the 12 practices, and I encourage everyone to read it. It really is one of the most useful public management articles that I've ever read. Bob, thanks again for being with us. Thanks, Andy. Fun to be here.